0: Hello and welcome to the Geek Sweat Podcast, where we talk films to save you hassle. Today, we are going to be bringing you an inspiration interview. And with me today are going to be King Dom, MKH, Neo Geo and myself, TJ. Before we bring to you our special guest and let, them know, let you know who they are, we'd like you to know that we are now broadcasting on several different podcast channels from Acast, Anchor, Castbox, Castro, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Player FM, Pocketcast and Podcast.co. We have all of your podcast needs here where we do Review Sweat, Trailer Talk, Hot Topic as well as Cult TV. So broadcasting live from Ithaca House, we now bring you Geek Sweat. So, we're here in the show today. Uh, thank you for coming along, King Dom.
1: Oh, thanks, TJ. As always, pleasure to be here. And very much so today.
0: And thanks for coming back to the show again, MKH.
1: Oh, pleasure is all mine, thank you.
0: And uh, we've had a few people spinning the decks for us, uh, like EZE, but thanks for coming back again, Neo Geo. Hello. Okay, so um, we've got a a bit of a team here today and hopefully we're going to be showing you some audiovisual of this at a later date. But um, we have got our uh, favourite segment of our Geek Sweat series, which is the Inspiration Interview, where we get an opportunity to speak to a filmmaker with significant experience who's not just been able to... uh, put their foot down and say that they're going to be a filmmaker but they've made a significant reach into the film industry and they can hopefully give something back in terms of um, anecdotes and some experiences that may help us along the way as filmmakers as well as you the listeners or just provide some extra entertainment value. So uh, I will explain who this person is. Uh, We have somebody who's not just a British television theatre and film actor but also a local boy born in East London as well as having some loose connections to the music industry already with um, some relatives or siblings it seems like who played for the band Jamiroquai. Um, Can you have a guess who that could be Kingdom?
1: Um, (laughs) Well, they're sat right opposite me. (laughs) I I will say, um, we always want to interview household faces, and this Mm. person actually is a household face. Speaking personally, I watched this guy on TV 10 years ago. So, yeah, it's great, great that you're here.
0: This is a guy who's also starred in the DC television universe as well. I'm not sure if you've seen him on the series Arrow.
1: Oh, yes, I have, definitely. Oh, really? And I think it's fantastic that he's brought his own band with him. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got constant yeah. background music just for us. <laughs> I, I forgot to mention, we
0: are being blessed in Ithaca House again <laughs> with our background uh, noise of summoners. And oh. sometimes I think these church spirit, church people are here to kind of ward away evil demons. So you're in safe company here. So um, without further ado, I'll introduce our guest. It is the one, the only, the great Jimmy Akimbola. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. And the music, I actually thought it was you doing the music. I was like, yeah, I'm loving this intro. Man of many talents. It's like <laughs> mysterious. I'm like, yeah, Darren Wright, theme tune. <laughs> we were
0: trying to keep it mellow for you. That's uh, what it was.
2: No, guys, it's a, it's, an, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. And um, yeah, I am local, born and bred, Plasto Hospital. That's not there anymore. <laughs> but um, yeah I used to work around the corner at Stratford Theatre at least as an usher oh really yeah wow. I've been to raves on the Romford Road mm, <laughs> like, yeah. like I, this is yeah truly I'm yeah I'm a, I'm a East, East man did <laughs> you used to
0: hang out in this area in the days of like Stratford Rex as uh, well
2: yes Stratford mm. Rex so the, you know
0: about Moondance uh, yes of and course man, of, of course I know oh, about
2: Moondance I, I, I know about um, uh, they changed it into a house off of uh, is it Catherine Road? Yeah. Uh, the, the, I can't remember the name of that club, but I used to go to the one in Ilford as well. Okay, okay. Uh, roast and stuff like that, telepathy, and oh, nice. uh, but I know Stratford Centre used to be a big thing. Everybody just hanging around East Stratford yeah. Centre. Yeah, yeah. um, so yeah, no, like you know Stratford and you know Plasto, kind of like the whole of East. Really, is, is where I grew up, and uh, I'm proud of that. Um, and it, it's good to be here, you know, in terms of. In terms of film, you know, like for me, I think, you know, I, I went to play football when I was a kid. I didn't really sort of grow up going, I want to be an actor.
0: What but, team do you support by the way?
2: Uh, I'm sure you can tell by my accent. West Ham? Uh,
0: it's got Liverpool. Be
1: Liverpool. Liverpool. Oh, amazing. Wow. Wow, Liverpool. Wow, wow, wow. That's two of you. No, I know. Is that yeah. even allowed? Yes. 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 Can we have two Liverpool yes. supporters in the same room? This talk. is a
0: Cockney red isn't arena it? now, isn't, isn't, isn't it? it? I had
2: yeah. an uncle from Liverpool and he'd always show me like, you know, yeah. Videos with Kenny Douglas, John Barnes, and Ian yeah. Rush, you know, red's my favourite colour. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. I'm an Aries as well. It was just, it, it, there was a no-brainer. I had yeah. to support them. West Ham, though, was 10 yeah. minutes from my house, so I could okay. walk there. But I was like, no, nah, it's all about Liverpool. <laughs>
0: were you one of these uh, football supporters who found out about football through television? Or did you know from, like, hanging out in your local area about uh, like, the geography of which teams were near a... you?
2: that's a good question you know i think i found out through football and like my uncle was a big football fan so yeah. like even if it wasn't on telly there'd yeah. be videos you know what i mean mm. uh, some of those that are young enough vhs <laughs> videos you know um so yeah but i was yeah i was big into it you know and um used to watch it used to play it i played semi-pro a bit okay. not far around the corner here for a club called uh uh clacton uh, um, and yeah for me you know there was a big in- moment like you know I think John Barnes going to Liverpool as well That yeah. was a, I can't even lie seeing someone that looks like me yeah. and probably one of the best players around at that time yeah. was so uh, inspiring you know yeah. uh, so like you know that was my thing. I went to be a footballer up until the age of like sixteen, you know. and uh, wow. I, I didn't acting but I, yeah, what was I saying? Get back on track. Film was a big part of the family. So we would yeah. grow up watching like Eddie Murphy movies or you know Al Pacino. I remember watching Scarface with my older brothers. I wasn't supposed to, but wow. like mm. watching that and being blown away by that performance, you know, people like Steve Martin, uh, you know, Richard Steve Pryor, Martin, comedian. And yeah. you know, like, like Stir Crazy and the yeah. jerk and yeah the man with two brains, like honestly, but I used to just watch them as a fan. Yeah. But in hindsight, now that I am an actor, like all those films back in the day had a, you know, an impact on me, you know, you know, like yeah. the uh, Sinbad films and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: And yeah. 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 <clears throat> well, I want to, I want to talk about what your earliest experience was that has interested you in the world of cinematic film, because I mean, talking about uh, Scarface and the Eddie Murphy mm. uh, films that's quite interesting because i think at a young age particularly if you're still a uh, teen or preteen, yeah that's still like right on the edge of like profanity in film and violence in film so which <laughs> film did you get to see first was it an Eddie murphy movie or uh, a scarface um, that's
2: a really good question uh i i think it's a mixture if i'm honest with you a mixture maybe of something like a Cinderella. I think I remember going really? to a to a cinema to watch that with the school
0: or something like that.
2: And was that you know? the first
0: kind of film that took your breath away? So well, I I,
2: not necessarily so I thought you said my experience. Not oh experience. really? Okay. My okay. breath away. That's a good one. My breath away, what really got me? Oh, it's a really good question. Hmm. I think. I think it was a mixture of something like. I think it was something like Last of the Mohicans or. Okay. Or. I, I, Eddie Murphy, you know? I think definitely, I think Eddie Murphy had a massive impact in my life, you yeah. know? Like, I, I think there was something about this guy leading comedy, drama, and like, you know, raw. I think yeah. you know because
0: Raw's the, Raw's the stand-up movie. Raw's the stand-up that yeah, movie, did, yeah. which became um, like a very high box office entertainment. Yeah, I think like his stuff really
2: stood out to me. It's it's an interesting. I, I feel like I can split it up. I've got the Eddie Murphy uh, strand, and then uh, me and my brothers we were into like, martial arts, so. Yeah. Like Jackie Chan stuff oh. before Jackie Chan was Jackie Chan. Are oh, we
0: talking about Meals on Wheels?
2: Oh uh, no, we're talking before that. Snake and the Eagle Shadow.
0: Oh, Jesus. Wow, we're talking That's about we're talking deep. about Golden Harvest. Yeah. Dun
2: dun dun. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Now you got me going. Shogun the Assassin.
0: <laughs> Shogun the Assassin. Yeah, yeah. The, the, okay. the,
2: the one that they said it was illegal. So like, I'm the youngest of brothers. So yeah, yeah. they would watch the films, yeah. and they will be told that I can't watch, but I'd yeah. always get in yeah. and be able to watch them. So so I feel like you had the comedy stuff with Eddie Murphy. And Richard Pryor was still crazy and Gene Wilder. Mm. Then you had the martial arts with like, you know, Jackie Chan and uh, the Shogun Assassin stuff. Mm. Uh, And then I think later on, you know, I feel like his... uh more like the the edges of the Pacino yeah. and stuff like that that started
0: start kick- become more of a connoisseur.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I would I would spread around. So in the martial arts world, I would watch the Chuck Norris movies. Yeah. Or American Ninja. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean? like, which is so funny in terms of we're talking about representation and yeah. stuff like that now. You know, like this American white guy going beating up all the best martial arts people <laughs> in Asia. You're like, <coughs> I'm not saying that can't happen, but yeah. you know definitely would sort of spread out in that genre, do you know what yeah. I mean? So I want to just watch Jackie Chan, but obviously the Bruce Lees, but obviously Karate Kid, mm. you know, the commercial side, I would love that. But I'd always go deeper. I remember going to a, on the Barking Road, there'd be this video shop, and I'd always go to the right, to the back, to these obscure mm. Kung Fu movies, you know, okay. you know, like the Five Venoms and stuff like that. And then later on, when I'm, a, you know, getting older, you get a group like Wu-Tang Clan. I know you don't want yeah. to go into the music, but yeah. when they start dropping like knowledge about the films, you see footage, you're yeah. like, I was watching that when I was a kid. Do you know what I mean? So he's watching mm.
0: things like 36 Chambers before Wu-Tang came out.
2: Yes, man. And that's what I think they did. They was like, if you know, then you know what we're putting in our music, you know? Even if you didn't see the videos, just the you know the philosophy they the philosophy, that the, the they philosophy had. but also the dialogue yeah. like there's a tune where they they say the dialogue from shogun the assassin it's the little kid narrating yeah. about his father yeah you know so i think
0: it, they it was also called master and cub wasn't it yes no, there's a yes, different name yes, title yes. for it i'm yeah, not sure no,
2: yeah 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 so, i mean
0: I'm, I'm just really interested not just because we had a previous guest on before uh called katasabo who was Talking to us about the films that she watched yeah. when she was young, and it was like an older brother mm. who kind of influenced her to watch certain types of movies. And it sounds like there was an older brother in your family who might have opened you up <laughs> yeah, to I had watching two, certain two movies. Two older brothers, okay.
2: And like, I wouldn't say they open; they would just watch what they watched. You know, yeah. and I would, you know, and, and was I like was sneaking in past. Bedtime. I was sneaking the ones that, you know, if they're to eighteen, I would sneak in, or yeah. they would be like, "Come, don't say say anything to mum."
0: Because you're, because this time in the eighties, you'd have been like eight, nine, ten. I was a pup. I was yeah. a
2: pup. It's not good. Damn, it's a detail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't release. Don't believe okay. IMDb or Google so, about so, my so, age. So, so. I'm only I'm only twenty two. <laughs> um, they would just always get the latest movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But then their taste buds would go from. Comedy, action, drama, you know what I mean? And uh very male led, you know, but I, I think I, I was able to get a whole range of films. And then it was like my dad would be like, I won't always enjoy them, but it'd be the the sort of the John Wayne's and all that <laughs> the, the, Cowboy, the Cowboy movies, the yeah, Cowboy yeah. movies that would always be on TV <laughs> yeah. or
0: what is wrong with John Wayne?
2: You know what, at the time, I would I don't know, it was just boring, man. I I, yeah. I sort of I love hated it, really. Do you know what I mean? I just really? didn't... I don't know. I just found them a bit cheesy, a bit boring. I didn't really believe them, you know? Is it
0: hard to relate to, like, John movies... John Wayne movies be in set in the past? Like, where you got this now, kind of stocky white figure... But even at the time, I,
2: I think I associated them with my dad. I was like, this, these movies, the movies are a bit tired, man. Yeah. I was like, you know... You want to see something fresh. Uh, yeah, something fresh. And... In, but saying that, something like The uh, the Lone Ranger, I found that more dynamic than, you know, I think that was before. Okay. I find that more dynamic than the John Wayne. But then I would love stuff like uh, Escape from Victory. And, yeah. you know, like my dad would record a lot of movies. Right. So, and like, and I and I remember I used to try and just go through them, even if I didn't like them. You know? I want to like, ask you a question. Okay. Was your
0: dad a front loader or a top loader with the VHS? Uh...
2: Top loader first, then front. Okay, cool, cool cool, <laughs> cool, cool,
0: cool, And was he like, did he like get his stuff from the store or did he have a no. friend or was um, he recording off the TV? Uh, recording off the TV, cool, I would cool, say.
2: Cool. Uh, or, or, or vice, yeah, you could yeah. connect them at the times. Yeah, know? yeah. But he would, and he would number them from one to over a hundred. Oh, wow. So he was like his own library. Them. Yeah. So you were able to go, oh, and like, yeah, like something, a lot of like uh, Clint Eastwood movies. And yeah. You know, the, um, what's the other one? I don't know. Death uh, Wish. Charles and stuff Bronson. Stuff like Charles Bronson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. but then we have some Herbie Goes Bananas because there's like, there's four kids in the house. So <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about all the hardcore stuff, but like Herbie, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang yeah. and, you know, and stuff like that. Um, And some really good ones like uh, the Red Balloon. I remember Red watching Alone. that and not yeah. understanding great that. Great film. Great, great, great little movie. Film. When I got older, I was like, so again, my family were really interesting like and there were some really like obscure great films mm. that I remember seeing but not really understanding when I got older and when someone's saying, have you seen this? And I'm like, oh yeah,
1: I remember that movie when yeah. I was
2: a kid and um, mm. I feel like that's definitely affected me going forward in terms of my taste buds. Okay. You know what I mean? I've got the things that I love but I'm very open-minded. Do you know what I mean? If someone says, go and watch this film or you know, about this you know a russian ballet dancer that you know yeah fines is doing then i i haven't watched it yet but i'm gonna try and check it out you know what i'm saying and, and i think that's the way to learn and grow and also work out like what is your you know i've not directed anything yet but like what are your tastes you know what i mean and yeah. if you look at someone like a spike lee to scorsese or 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 even um I don't know uh, the, the lady that did Hurt Locker. Like you know, you, you, there's a way of really finding out your different, the, the, the different, the different things that you like about film. You sure. Know? Whereas I'm, I think sometimes you can watch the same thing. Yeah. It's not negative, but I just think you can get stuck into sort a, of a certain type
0: or a pattern. You know? yeah. yeah. So what was the as the young Jimmy was growing up with dreams of being the next John Barnes? Yeah. What was the thing that moved you to the side and said? I might need to give this theater a go or acting yeah. a go. What what experience or decision what happened?
2: I had a teacher called Mr. Tyres at Cumberland school. And uh, oh, wow. Uh, wow. yeah, he would, he just had my back, man. He, he knew all my other siblings, but he would take me out of maths to help him do drama when I was in the first or second So year. he was
0: bringing you out of the maths class yeah, to do drama. Yeah,
2: yeah, I don't know how he did that. That sounds he, like he,
0: very unconventional. I know,
2: I was like, wow, okay and I hated maths though, so I was very happy about it. <laughs> but I'll be helping people that are older than me and like, when I say help them, I'll be part of their groups to devise something or I would just assist them. And I think I he's, he learned that I was able to sort of work with most people, you know? Uh, but I didn't think anything of it. I didn't want to be an actor. I, and I saw... Kids at my school on only fools and all sears, they went to the Silver Young School. Oh, right. I was a kid that was out on the streets playing football,
0: like, yeah yeah yeah,
2: until it's dark, even <laughs> when it's dark, you know yeah. uh, but the thing that changed it for me unfortunately, he passed away, but he opened me up to like Shakespeare and stuff like that still wasn't interesting like he he was a man that somehow had an impact in my life that on my six weeks holidays I'll be doing a performing arts sort of course for a week or two and uh working with uh you know uh people with disability and stuff like that. And we're creating a a piece at the end of the week or two rather than just being out for two weeks. I was like, only now I'm like, wow, to to give up your space for something that I didn't really think I was going to be doing, you know, for some reason he just saw something in me. Mm. So when I left secondary school, I was like, well, I got an A in drama. Everything else suffered a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not go into details. I'm going to be a footballer and I'm going to be a late bloomer like Ian Wright, you know? So really (laughs) when you're 16, 15, you should be on someone's professional books. I wasn't, but I was like, I'm going to do an Ian Wright, you know, do it late. So I looked at the A and said, let me go to Epping Forest College to do performing arts. Okay. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to, you know, you know, break through as a footballer. The first assignment was a monologue Mm. to do in front of the first year and the second year of this course, I didn't know anybody there. I deliberately took myself out and knew him because mm. no, I wasn't a bad kid, but I liked to have a lot of fun. And if I had my friends around me, I would just wouldn't concentrate.
0: Distractions. Uh mm.
2: and I did a monologue that was influenced by Eddie Murphy Raw. It was influenced by stuff that I'd seen, like around Stratford Theatre or at least. You know, it was a bit like a monologue stroke stand-up. Mm. And it was about when I got arrested with my brother uh in, in Trocadero. And I did it guys and it's the only piece thing I've written. I wish I'd kept it. And people laughed where I thought they was going to laugh. And he laughed in areas where I didn't think it was going to laugh. And I got a standing ovation. And that buzz, wow. it, was like, it was like the Eddie Murphy bit where I'm raw when they're like, Eddie, yeah, yeah, Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Actually when the kid does the joke. He's like, I kicked the line in the doo-doo and all the family like, oh my God. But Samuel Jackson's like, yeah, that boy got talent. You know? Yeah, And then it cuts to Eddie as yeah. an adult. Yeah. Eddie, Eddie. That was my moment. Yeah. And it was like an arrow hit me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be an actor. Yeah. I'm going to go drama school. I'm going to get an agent and I'm going to start working. It hit me all in that moment. And the buzz... It beat the buzz that I would get on a Sunday playing football, scoring a hat trick or mm-hmm. whatnot, you know. And I'm much warmer. I'm not out in my shorts, yeah. and, you know, stuff <laughs> <and I'm laughs> yeah. like that. And literally, in a, almost in a naive way, I made those decisions. I'm going to go to drama school, and I've not looked back since. I still tr- I still try to play football, but I kept. It was hard to juggle, you know, and I was getting some injuries. So that was hard when I had to do movement at drama school, or you'd spend in like, I'm doing nine till six at drama school. I went to a drama school called Aura, Academy of Live Recorded Arts in South London. So you'd travel, there was no Jubilee line back then. So it was quite a distance to travel from east to south. And then I would do that, finish at six, and then try and get all the way over back to football training in the east, you know, and then not get home till 10. And I've not, you know, and then I just Mm. realized, Something's got to give, and I can't believe I'm saying it now because I'm a big football fan. I, you know, I could talk <laughs> for yeah. ages about it, but I realized that acting was the first it's the of... thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's amazing.
0: What was the first kind of paid gig you got in the acting world? Like you've obviously created this foundation yeah. in the academic world of yeah. Forest and trying to get onto the ladder. Yeah, yeah. But what was the crossover point for you to be in? I'm just doing this as a student too. I'm now starting to go semi-pro.
2: Um, when, I, uh, when I graduated after doing three years at Academy of Live Recorded Arts, I um, booked two jobs. One was uh, at Half Moon Theatre, which is around here somewhere. I think it's Whitechapel. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you still going. And the other job was for the Birmingham Rep Theatre. So the Birmingham Rep is like the national of the Midlands, but. I'm a young kid, I've never been out of the East really. So I'm like, well, I've got a local theater. I'm gonna get paid, I think it was like 300 pounds. Let me do that one, you know? I can still, <laughs> I've got a flat, I've got to try and keep up. I was like, I'm gonna be around my friends. I was sort of, you know, moving forward with that mentality. My agent was angry with me, my agent's assistant, but she said no to this big director called Bill Alexander that's directed Anthony Cher and everyone, uh. you know? And, but then I called, somebody told me to call like my ex drama school teacher and I was like, look, George Roman, um, I got this job uh, at Birmingham Rep and I've turned it down. Is that a good decision, do you think, for the Half Moon Theatre? He's like, no, Jimmy. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, his accent was Hungarian. That's a terrible accent. <laughs> you know, that's how, that's how I get away with being an actor. I can't do accents. Um, but he, um, he said, call them back, take the Birmingham job. And I did that. Luckily, she hadn't, she hadn't called them yet. Wow. And then when my agent got back from holiday, holiday, he was like, what are you doing? You're crazy. That was a massive job you could have lost. And I was like, look, I was worried. I'm working class. I was worried about paying my rent. Yeah. Uh, I I, I was at my local theater. I thought it was yeah. a good thing. He's like, Jimmy, let me break it down to you. There's a thing called podiums." I was like, what's that? Yeah. You get paid money to live on when you're there. So it's not going to be coming out of your wages. So oh, you're wow. going to be able to sustain your flat mm. in, in, in East London. And... The money's much more than the 300 pounds you're getting 450 and you know and it was suddenly i was like oh my god thank thank god i said yes eventually you know
0: because this was about uh moving out moving, of your comfort zone, comfort, zone comfort zone rather than just staying in yes, the same place yes
2: and uh, you know and a whole jumping around but it, that was my journey the first journey was to go to epping you know again out of my comfort zone would have been to stay in newham and go to new, new vic would have been my local college but then to go to epping where i didn't know anybody mm. and then the next one yeah. was to uh you know go to uh you know sort of drama school and then i up post drama school was to go out of london and work you know
0: okay uh we're just going to race through a couple of things now because we know we're up against time but um you've got this uh project called Anansi, which seems to be like one of your earliest ones on your IMDb profile. Yeah. And it looks like it's a feature film. Could you yes, tell us a bit it was. About that?
2: I was at the National Theatre doing a play called The Reminer, And uh, I got an audition for this by a casting director called uh, Sam Jones. And it was about a Ghanaian that um, went to leave Ghana and uh, come to Europe, you know, because the streets are paved with gold. Okay. And um, he was a photographer. I went and auditioned and I was in auditioning I was auditioning with this lovely actress. I don't know if you've heard of her. Her name's Naomi Harris. Oh and, wow. uh,
0: yeah. Cause there were some names in this uh project. There was a, quite a lot of um early talent there. Yeah, wasn't
2: there? Yeah. So it was both mine and Naomi's first sort of film job. So I've gone from the stage to being a lead in a indie movie that went to Ghana, Morocco, Germany. Uh, Spain, wow. yeah, and um, I mean, the
0: key names here, like Naomi Harris, who you yep. probably all know from the James Bond series, yep. And for me, I recognized Danny Sapani yes. from uh, Misfits, Misfits, the TV Penny series. Dreadful, as there well. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, so this was my first job to work with those guys was amazing. And yeah, you know, me and Naomi, we played you know, sort of husband and wife, or well, I think we're boyfriend and girlfriend, I can't remember what it was, yeah. but we were shooting for about four months together around the world wow. and it, it was a eye-opener for me because i went from stage to film set you know yeah. what i mean so stuff like hitting your marks and yeah. you know if you're a lead to to uh lead in a movie is tricky man and to, yeah. you know to keep the energy and 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 really know your beats of that story because you're not doing it in sequence and yeah and um that's
0: block shooting they call yeah, it, isn't it yeah, yeah
2: yeah exactly and um and also a director that was a bit of a documentary director so you know i love him his name's uh, 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 uh fritz but he sometimes i felt like his direction the way he yeah. directed me wasn't the easiest you know okay, and it was okay. a bit of the the german sort of the english uh, sort of uh, you know, I don't know, personality vibes going on. Um, so we, I found it really tough, although I loved it. Yeah, But I wouldn't change it for the world. It really sort of gave me an experience that has helped me in my film work since then.
0: I mean, speaking of the world, it seems like that decision to choose the Birmingham rep over uh, the, uh, the Half Moon Theatre, the yeah. it's kind of pushed you into this idea of just traveling around the world to kind of take yes. on jobs, take on more work because that seems to be a bit of a theme of um, what what your career has been about, like yes. stepping into new territories. So I've noticed that um, like even going by your IMDB, mm. uh, you did a series called Stupid. yeah, And it seemed like you played various characters in that.
2: Yeah, I, that I, like? I, I think going back to my days here in East London and yeah. being at the Theatre Royal Stratford East, being a fan of the Real McCoy and the okay. Posse. Yeah. You know, so your Robbie G's and your Eddie Nesters and yeah, yeah. Uh, your Curtis Walkers. So That was like,
0: a TV comedy trip.
2: Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So I would see them on TV and I would see them live at the Theatre of at East, you know? Okay. So I think when I started like coming into my own drama school, break you down, sometimes they forget to put you back together. But when I found my voice again and realised I'm from East London, you know, I'm working class. I'm a British born Nigerian boy. You yeah. know, you know, I, I I've got a mixture of friends. Like, and yeah, I would say like my my friendship circle is very inclusive at those days. Even yeah, in yeah. a time when East London wasn't really, you know, yeah. the certain areas you go to, you see a lot of people of different sort of uh, like uh, races. And and, yeah, you know, what yeah, I mean? but in certain places you wouldn't go, yeah, you want to go to Custom House, and I'm on the. Yeah. I'm around the corner from those places yeah. so I think when I started acting I just really realised that yeah I I love comedy I yeah. like lo- you know I wouldn't say I'm a comedian even though I did do a, a comedy school with Keith Palmer that Kojo's done and yeah. uh, all the other great comics and Glenda Jackson but I realised I love comedy so that reminded me of Eddie Murphy movies the uh, Steve Martin and stuff like that so yeah. when I audition for something like Stupid which I'm really proud of you know <laughs> I get tagged in some sketches now where I'm like oh my gosh and I'm playing these off-key characters for children's tv but that's a part of me I, there's, there's, there is a comedic there is a clown in me you know but sure. drama school taught me that I don't have to just do that yeah so you you can see me being silly and stupid but then you can see me on stage like as Othello or mm. on screen playing someone like uh Antoine Malik, you know yeah. in Holby City
0: Because you've demonstrated some a lot of different versatility, Mm -hmm. and um, it seems I think I want to say like hospital in that that word. Um, Because I noticed that you've then gone from your film work to the TV series work to Mm. now uh, more or less stepping into a role on probably one of the biggest broadcasting companies in the world, Mm. uh, with the BBC, Mm. and uh, you've ended up in a project called. Holby Blue yeah. which is actually a precursor to Holby City I yeah understand? well
2: yeah it was like a spin-off a police spin-off I feel yeah. like Holby Blue had the potential to be like a, a line of duty before it, yeah. you know the first season was quite edgy and dark but then I think unfortunately
0: or The Wire I suppose yeah, as well yeah well
2: yeah yeah because yeah, the bill had come off so yeah. it was high end it was the first sort of time you know when like a- a- HD started coming in and like yeah. the look of the show was very moody and I felt like we had a chance to replace the bill, but like step it up, you yeah. know. And unfortunately, second season become a bit too like a police soap. Yeah, you know, and they didn't get
0: the interesting thing was sorry to cut you off is this was like the first, one of the first series where they tried to expand the Holby universe. Yes, as Yes, well, you're wasn't right. It?
2: You're right. You're
0: right. It was a big move because it was about moving from the hospital to seeing the police officers that came to the hospital. Yes, wasn't
2: it? you're totally right. I mean, there was one scene in the season one of Holby Blue where. Jack Naylor comes to the police station, like mm-hmm. she's involved in a case. Yeah. And, that was, and actually there's ambition, you know, yeah. sometimes I think the UK, we get too scared and like, we haven't got as much money as the US, but it, we lack ambition. And I feel like it's a shame that it wasn't successful really, because yeah. that was bold to like, you yeah. extend the universe. Cause look at what uh is doing now with Arrow yeah. and the flash, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah. actually Supergirl. we yeah. were already doing that yeah. before the Americans, but there's something about, obviously the numbers have got a, uh, add up in terms of people watching it but there's something about the execution and i felt like that could have really you know been something different
0: did you get a feeling from your actors that you could have been on the uh cusp of something new if that had come off or Uh, or was no everyone just saying I was just another day job no
2: i really felt like honestly we had kudos behind it that was the production company we were on it uh i think was it eight till nine you know I just felt like we really could have. I think it was actually on at nine pm. Have to double check on that. But I felt like we really could have changed the game, you know. And 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 and, and even the poster. If you check the poster of Holby Blue, we we looking like we're in a a, a series like Heroes on. You know, everybody's like. Yeah, the poster for Holby Blue. Even the marketing was ahead of the time. You know, Uh, it really could have been something different. And Casey Ainsworth had broken out of EastEnders. She was amazing in it. Cal McInish, you know. um, Yeah, I can see
0: this picture here. Like, you've got this kind of, like, superheroes thing going on. Yeah, you know. Actually, isn't there um, a Channel 4 series uh, which has kind of adopted that motif? It's not No Angels. Oh, okay. It's um, uh, Dom. Do you know the Channel 4? No Offense. No Offense, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. They've kind of stolen that template of, like, stark background and people looking moody into the... um, into the camera lens, you know? That's very yeah, interesting. It was a good,
2: it was a really good cast, you know? And yeah, uh, yeah. and so I do, I think, I, but you know, you move on and mm. I learned from it. I had a, you know, my character Neil was all right. He's a bit of a sweet guy, a bit passive, yeah. you know, yeah. but um, you know, I would have liked more stories, but I didn't get get them. And then I sort of went off and done other work.
0: But Jimmy, the question is, did you move on? Because you seem to be interlaced with the BBC. Uh, A bit more after that, you you went on to do new tricks. Yes. And then you actually went and became a cop for the enemy on ITV (laughs) in the bill, in the guise of um, Dave Clayton. So when you have done the bill so close or almost interlocked with um, uh, your character in Holby Blue, do you have to work a bit harder as an actor to keep those characters separate?
2: Well, yeah, I think you always, each character you want to be completely different. You don't want any of your, I call it your mannerisms for the other characters to, to seep in. But actually the bill, I wasn't a police officer.
0: What so was your I,
2: I, I, I the first character I played, I looked like I was going to be a villain, a guy that was beating his wife, but actually I was an alcoholic trying to, trying to get myself well, but like she was lying to say that I was abusing her, but it turns out that I wasn't. And I was very conscious of that sort of doing a show like the bill not playing the norm, which was like most people of color, you know, was playing, you know, robbers, you know, crooks. And I was very conscious. I know it was like, I knew most people, if you're not a regular, you are a villain, but I was like, no, I could, I could play a lawyer or, you know sure. i could i could play another di so i was really happy with that and then the second time i did it i i played a local gangster you know okay, okay. so again that versatility of like going no you know you know i just want to play a guy that's trying to be better be a better man and stop drinking and be there for his wife and children sure, sure. you know that was a good guy but perception you would have said, oh it's a black guy he's in the first few scenes of the bill he's going to be a bad person yeah, yeah and then yeah. the next time round, i'm like no i went in i was trying to do my as much as you can on itv yeah, <laughs> at yeah, PM, yeah. do my top boy you know <laughs> but again I'm, a, I'm about that i'm about i'm like what have i done before so when i go and do a different thing or something similar i'm like it has to be a different spin on it you know but you're right yeah. the bbc For the first eight years, all my work was from the BBC. No one else would really sort of audition me. Really? So I have a lot to thank, yeah.
0: Why do you think they wouldn't audition you at the time? I I don't know. I feel like this business
2: is about who you know. I felt like I didn't, I had a great agent, you know, a good agent. I worked hard, but he was a bit more like football analogy. Yeah. I think he was a bit like top of the championship, you know? Yeah. You know? Uh, uh, And I say that with love because he worked hard for me, Adrian King. Yeah. But, There's only so much access you can get, you know, Um, as well as I feel like you do well in a place. Yeah. I feel that was the day when the BBC would reward their talent a bit more, you know, in terms of bringing them back in. Like uh, Tracy Gillum, Sarah Hughes, Nikki Blythe, a lot of the comedy people, they would bring you back in. So I'd go out for more comedy and drama, actually. So
0: was there a frustration of you being on the radar, but not on the right vehicle that kept you inside the system? A little
2: little bit. A lot of my peers, like, you know, people like O.T. Fagmanelli, like we go way back. We've always auditioned for the same stuff. Like he's worked here at Stratford. Like, you know, Javon Prince, you know, uh, like like those two names, they were always had better agents than me. And so, you know, they're great actors as well, but I'd always be outside looking in going, I wish I could get in the rooms that they're getting in, you know? Um, So there was a little bit of frustration, but also, I try to just trust. I'm always a big believer of like, I am where I am. You mm. know, it's sort of like, what's for you is for you. And uh, I've always been a bit like a Kenyan runner, you know? yeah. I'm always a bit like, yeah, I know that guy, but I'm not at the forefront. I'm not in the front runners, but mm. gradually the more I work, suddenly yeah. I get closer, closer to the front, you know?
0: So was your period of time on Doctors like a game changer for you? Because that was a series that went on for seven years. So- and you seem to have played three different characters in that role?
2: Let me do a quick story. Doctors was my first TV job, Uh, a casting director called Ben Ben Cogan. He uh, saw me in a play at So Theater and then he cast me in Doctors and I was terrible because in the first in the in, outing in the, my on, first on time doctors. yeah okay. and I will I'll tell you why was terrible one they move very fast yeah you know I was nervous because my first tv job yeah um and they don't do really they don't retakes. do many retakes yeah so your game's got to be tight so yeah. I got found out so I, I, this know. was
0: your first time going yeah, into it
2: yeah yeah and it, yeah. It, it 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 beat me up I watched it I didn't like it I could only mm. use one scene yeah so the competitive Jimmy and myself, with myself was like, I've got to do that job again, right. you know? So I've done it three times playing three different characters, you know? And uh, and they're all very different. The last character I played was a journalist. yeah, And we were doing like hundreds of pages a day, it yeah. felt like, seriously. But by that time I was equipped and I felt like it's the best thing for me as an actor.
0: So you know? mentally wise, did you have to think, I know I was bad, I can do better. And you had to appeal to let's say the casting agents better nature to get back on it or did you have to just wait your turn
2: I just sort you just had to wait because you don't say oh, I'm bad to the casting people yeah, yeah. or why you're on set but yeah. afterwards you know you I I watch all my stuff there's a lot of actors that don't watch themselves back and I don't it's not an ego thing but I like to look at what I can do better you know yeah. so I just looked at that and I just said I'm definitely going to do uh doctors again and because the turnover of doctors is just like they built. you know they need actors and so there's always like a year or two gap so I was like I'm going to attack that again and, you know, make sure I feel more happy with my performance.
0: So what I'd like to do is talk to you about what you did after doctors. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So Jimmy, I think we have to move on to probably your best known role or one of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, the one Holby city, Yeah, yeah, with yeah, the one that actually made you a household name.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's so funny. Like we were just talking about doctors earlier. Um, I was, yeah you know, even before that, I did an episode of Holby City playing a boxer. Uh, and then I got a text on my um, email on my phone saying from agent Holby, are casting a character later in the year, would you be interested? I was just like, yeah, of course I would. <laughs> and then uh, then I realized, well, people are watching, I'm, I'm shooting just an episode of Holby, but the producers are watching, you know? Uh, and then I forgot about it. And I went off to, you know, did some other jobs, but I remember it was July, I was uh, doing doctors, playing a journalist, and then I got the call from my agent. They want to see you on Monday. This was Friday. He sent me the script. It was for a character called Malik. You know, he was like, he was a maverick. You know, he he was one of the best uh, doctors in the building. He was like alpha male, flash, like he, he he was like your cantonar, you know, your pele of the building. And then I remember at the bottom of the line, you know, they intended him to be black. And then the other line was like, oh, and he's gay, you know? And I was like, oh, great. Yeah, okay. This I can see what I can do with this character in a way that, you know, like, you know, ER had some memorable characters. And then I remember I get to London, a lot of my actor friends, unfortunately, some actors, black actors, they didn't want to do it because of the sexuality. And I was like, wow, man, but really you're not going to audition for that just because you're not sure whether you can, you know, play just another human being that happens to to, to, to be gay. Um, And for me, that never entered my head at all. And it, it, for me, it was even more important for me to do this role to show another side of uh, people from our community, you know? And what a role model, I'm playing like a a surgeon on yeah. a hospital show. So I went in there and I saw the first take was a bit sort of like safe. I was like, let me make sure you know that I can do it. And then they was like, no, he's a bit more arrogant. He's got this. And I was like, I'm an actor, you give me an inch, I take a yard. <laughs> so I did it again and I started riffing and ablibbing and And it felt really good and um, a lot of actors had been in two or three times before in that week. I'd only been in that once, but I think because they'd seen what I did on that episode that I'd done earlier in the Mm. year, and then I did come in late, I just think I was able to snatch it at the last minute. And um, I was so excited about it. I just really knew what I could do with that Mm. character. It's
1: like you knew that that was something that you could take forwards.
2: Yeah, yeah, to push things forward and like, and and making it an impact. And, and I remember I wrote a big sort of uh, diary, like a life diary for him, you know, and I gave it to the producers. Right. This is wow. whether, because I can't control what the writer's going to write, but I was like, mm. well, this is his background, you know? I remember I'd always try and like operate from that Bible, mm. that, that, that character Bible, but then be open to if they steer me in different directions. But Interesting. Um, it was, yeah, it was a great job for me.
1: Okay, I think we've got to mention one thing because Dr. Malik called his followers Malachites. Yeah. And we've got Malachi here. So (laughs) (laughs) it is like we're bringing the Malachites together. Yeah, It's it's good to see, man. It's It's good good to see.
2: I love that. I love that. That's brilliant. (laughs) You know, yeah, like, I mean, for me, like, just, like, Holby was definitely, I'd done work before Holby, but in terms of exposure, and to show what I could do, it was great for that. And at the same time, I was doing that, I was doing Rev, where I played a crackhead called Mick. I remember know, that. With, yeah. with Olivia Coleman. And so, again, just like, I just naturally, I've always done both things and just tried to be as versatile as I can be. Um, and within all that, just because I know time's going, I set up a company with my business partner called Fraser Airs called Trifles Creative Network. And that's all about, you know, inclusion and diversity in terms of with the ways worked in this industry, but it doesn't mean that we haven't seen the problems and like the problems of access and opportunity. If you're from a certain class, if you look a certain way, you know, you're from a certain demographic or you're a certain color, you know, we just could see there was an issue. And we did a play in Edinburgh where we was able to galvanize and bring people together and create opportunities for people. And we'd said, it is Edinburgh festival, so everyone's in a good mood but what if we could do that every day in london and that's why we set up trifles creative network and we do monologue slam which is a free actor showcase for actors we do the trifles short film festival at bafta we've been going and doing that for 7 years uh we do a writer slam as well to help act- actors get representation and work on tv and film and then uh also we've got a production company and we're all about inclusion and diversity. And we don't just talk about it on panels. We it's embedded in all our work. You know, you've got me from East London, you know, Richborn, Nigerian, you've got Fraser, you know, mixed race, you know, mum's Scottish dad's from uh, Barbados, and then you've got, you know, a white female Minnie from Nottingham, you know? So you've got Nottingham, Leicester and East London, and you know, we're really proud of the work that we're doing and we've been going for 15 years strong, but there's plenty more that we can do and we want to do. And so, you know, people that listen to this, if you want to get in the business, check out the website, uh, com. And if there's people out there with money, man, we're not core funded at all. We've got no MPO, you know, uh, we do this, at our own pockets and, uh, you know, we are sustainable, but, just about Uh, so I'm like we're always looking for you know sponsorship funding but even not that just sort of like if you're a name out there if you're someone that believes in inclusion and diversity then please get in touch and you know if you think you can help us in any way be it attend our events be it give advice to our creatives we uh we want to see you and uh if you're the bbc or sky you want to give us a tv series then we've got plenty of scripts as well Mm -hmm. (laughs) great stuff
0: I just want to say something more about Holby City Um, because uh, you were playing a well-known character Antoine Melick, who was supposed to be this maverick uh, and uh, he was a registrar volatile and he was kind-hearted but what does it give an actor or take from an actor to portray a role that's so high profile for over 120 episodes because that needs a bit more yeah, stamina than yeah, just yeah. coming in and doing a bit, on
2: yeah, like yeah, say good,
0: Reverend for a couple of episodes.
2: It's a good question, actually. I I I think that's where the theatre background comes in. You know, like when you do a play, you got to sustain it. You know, for the two hours that you're doing it, but then you've had a rehearsal period, and then within that rehearsal period, you're able to track back and go where you know what's the lifespan of this character, where have they come from, and so. Throughout all those episodes, I, I, I had Malik had a life before he became a doctor. I knew what that was. Yeah, and then it's like you got to remember what you've shot. You know, yeah. so I would be if the if the scripts coming in and making me do this, I'd be like, look, guys, you, it's weird mm. for me to do that because yeah. he said this in episode twenty eight. You've got, to remember, you've got, got friend, to remember the history. You've got to remember history, yeah, and try and fight for it. Mm. You know, because you know sometimes. You get new writers they won't be up to scratch and sometimes producers miss something mm. so you've got to fight for the arcs but then also you've got to be open to where they might you might go my character wouldn't do that yeah but then sometimes you just got to go with that and yeah. and actually open up that yeah. area for the character mm. and so and it is about just you got to continue the love of it man it's a lot mm. of long hours you know yeah. uh, it's, uh it's not a sad song but it you do work hard on a show like that, you know. You work; we work in every day of the year, literally.
0: But the thing is, is there a danger of becoming like the Steve McFadden, where he's played Phil Mitchell for a significant period yeah. of time? I'm trying to remember the guy the named the guy on Coronation Street, but yeah. um, Ken Ken Barlow. Ken Barlow, yeah, thank you. And they are great actors in a way. And to use a football analogy, they're more like the James Milners, yeah, where yeah they are a cornerstone of what that series is about and they're very reliable. But all of a sudden you've now got this 20 year career playing this one role and you're reduced somewhat in your opportunities elsewhere. Was that a fear Uh, when you get to a certain number of episodes playing uh, Antoine Malik?
2: It's interesting before I, you know, I I always said I'd only do three years in my head, you know, um, like uh, Stigma Fadden done some amazing like films before he got into EastEnders. He he was mm. a working actor, you know, mm. he's a very good actor. When he's get his moments, you know, mm. you see what he can bring to the table. Uh, I remember seeing him in a film, I think it was the Firm or ID and stuff like that. But for me, I just said, I don't wanna do no more than three years because I sort of know the type of career I want. Yeah. And also I think it was a bit different for me because people had already known about my work from yeah. TV and film, yeah. you know, not at that level, that profile, but yeah. I'd already experienced, I already sort of had a certain type of career before I got into it. Whereas mm-hmm. like, if you go in into Holby and that's your first big thing, yeah. then I think it can dictate your career and you have to be careful how long you stay there. Yeah. So I said three would probably be my limit because I felt like if you look at some of the people in EastEnders, the short amount of time they spend in yeah. it, then they, you know, terms and out for way, yeah, is well, he's, he's a good example she had a career after EastEnders you know yeah um and Jimmy Mystery I was yeah. looking at Jimmy Mystery he was in and out
0: yeah he, he did, did Hollywood well movies you know yeah. so was creating Triforce uh I think it's Triforce Media yeah Triforce, Creative, Triforce Network. Creative Network sorry uh was that a welcome break to kind of start opening some doors again that you felt may have been closed by staying on yeah, well, the like the the, the
2: the trifles, like I had been doing that. You know, we've been doing that for over fifteen years, so it's always been constant. where I've been working, you yeah. know, I'm a type of actor. The the acting work I get feeds my company because yeah. I make new relationships. I'm able to invite producers down to my events and cast and directors. Yeah. So, you know, the more successful I became as an actor, then the more doors I would open up for people via my company.
0: And speaking about doors opening and closing as an actor, um, Will Smith. Had to observe several autopsies to behave like a forensic pathologist in the series, sorry, in the feature film Concussion. Mm. What I want to ask you is, what's the most jarring experience you've had to put yourself through to prepare for a role? Mm
2: -hmm. Jarring. Well, for Holby, uh, (laughs) we wasn't. I I observed a doctor for about a day, and uh, uh, I can't remember what's the terminology when. They put the tube up the uh, conduct. Yeah, colon- a know, colono- yeah. no, no, no. Uh, up the b- up bottom, the bum. yeah. Colonoscopy, I think. I think, oh, yeah, colonoscopy. So, yeah. so colonoscopy. that, was, yeah. that wow. was a part of my training you was in the
0: room, yeah. when it happened,
2: yeah, yeah. Did and the, I, I almost uh, retched because <laughs> there was a lot of activity going on. <laughs> so, so, you've got that side to it, but on wow. Holby, you've got doctors that can tell yeah. you, look, this is what you're doing and this is how you hold the needle and how you would you know operate on a human body you know so yeah don't just
0: whiz the sample around in your hand no 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 exactly
2: and the prosthetics are so great they're they're, they're like the real thing so you really are able to you know almost be like the real deal okay
1: sorry trev i I know jimmy you've got to shoot in a minute but can we ask you about arrow and your entry to the dc universe
2: yes arrow basically after holby um I said to myself, you know, a lot of my friends and colleagues, you be at the Lenny James, David Harewoods, the Means, you know, Marianne, uh, Jean Baptiste, they're in America doing great work, you know? Yeah. And so I said, I'm going to go to America. And I got a green card and, after being in l.a for four months i booked mm. arrow and i was originally up for damien dark which was like the main villain you know okay. i was sort of like the second villain for the flashbacks and so i was penciled for that and they went with the old actor but then they gave me this other part and uh for me it's so great i used to watch the show and i said if i can get anywhere close to Deathstroke character because that was the faint that was yeah. my f- Uh, favourite villain then Mm. I'll be doing something all right. but it was also a bit like Holby like Holby you have to show and prove in terms you want make writers want to write for your character Mm. I had great storylines but I believe that I made them want to write for me and I think I did the same with Baron Writer he had a great arc
0: I wanted to say though um, in a kind of a Chris Hemsworth type of uh, philosophy you've you've traditionally kept yourself like well toned and with a certain physique to keep yourself in this kind of playing a very mobile young man role in your career or somebody who's like alpha male. Yeah. So was there an inkling that you felt you could have been cast in a superhero role at some point in your career?
2: Ah uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I and mean, I'm still I'm still I'm still gunning for the marvels and everything, you know? Mm. Um I, I I feel like, you know, like physically drama school, you know, you learn about your body and you know, a little bit of like Lecoq and, you know, the I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm physical theater, but I'm aware of my body physically. And I just felt like I wanted to keep myself in a certain place that I can play a variety of roles, you know, okay. you know, and I feel like I've been able to do that, you know, without getting too big and like, mm, I don't know if someone that hinged would be a doctor and that's not necessarily true, but perception.
0: And for the fanboys and girls at home, playing the character Baron Richter can you tell us a bit more about what your superhero powers are Well
2: yeah he was a supervillain. and okay. he's su- sort of like uh he's, the original character Baron was a, a Nazi <laughs> <laughs> and he killed, you know he would fight Superman and Wonder Woman so I did my research uh, I'm not that much of a geek but I do love the Superman and stuff like that so I was able to create this character that you know was able to uh, Oh yeah, Baron Reiter was the ruthless leader of the shadow spy. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I was able to sort of have that in my head in terms of the universe of how the crossovers and, and also I was trying to gun to make sure that I'm in that series for another couple of years, you yeah, know, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but also what I love, uh, uh, Guggenheim, the showrunner said, look, we cast Jimmy because he was the best actor. It wasn't a, yeah. a, a race thing at all, you know? Yeah. But for me, that's that's a dream. I've gone to America after four months. I'm in the DC universe, you know? Mm. And um, and being out in America, I wanted to introduce myself as an American. So yeah. I decided to walk on set as an American. I didn't walk on as a Brit. And then they shot the first scene and they couldn't change change my accent. And then since then, I've done NCIS, Scorpion. And, you know, Amazing. I've just bought a job recently that I can't
0: talk about, but oh, it's, it's cool. going to...
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's going to change things.
0: Because me and MKH are thinking about talking about um, the exodus of British actors yeah. to America. So MKH, what do you think about Jimmy walking onto the set as an American instead of an
1: um, Englishman? I, I guess it's a personal choice. Yeah. Um. But no, I just think you did fantastically in, well, in your you. role in Arrow. And I just wanted to uh, pick up on... Um, you've done a lot of voice work for video games. Yeah. Are you you a gamer yourself?
2: Uh, Not anymore. I used to be a big gamer. Now I'm too busy working and I realise I got a bit like, I don't know if you remember David James and some of these (laughs) actors, footballers, they talk about playing football too much on the... Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. because they expected his concentration. Yeah, Yeah. so I'll be up until 2am and I've got an audition at 10am. It's not a good look. So I've had to be a bit disciplined with it. But Mm. I can still sort of, uh, you know, on a mess people uh, up on FIFA or, yeah. or you know <laughs> I give my nephews a
1: run for their money yeah. still and, um, uh, do you have any will you, will you continue to do voiceovers for video yeah, games yeah, in the future because no. I think that's a massive industry yeah,
2: definitely yeah. definitely I love that stuff yeah. again I get to play multiple roles and different characters and different sort of accents and stuff like that so yeah definitely want to do some more games and uh, but also I want to do some animation as well yeah, for film yeah, you know yeah, I want to be in a, in a Shrek or something like that you know oh, so yeah 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 Oh, that's brilliant, man.
0: Um, and also coming back into like your other work in uh, TV, you've been in a series called In a Long Run, which yeah. is a Sky series that gives you an opportunity to work alongside one of the biggest players in film and TV Who's industry. That? In Idris Who's Elba. It? Idris of who? <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> and I mean, it's hard not to see him in any other shows anymore. And he kind of led the wave of. Um, yeah. Uh, British actors uh, going over to America in The Wire so I wanted to know what kind of things did you learn or appreciate more working alongside such a behemoth in the film and TV Um, industry
2: well Aegis wow like you know he's from the same area like he grew up in sort of Canning Town and East Ham as well as Hackney so a lot of people in my area knew Aegis and they expected me to know him but I was like no I didn't know him but I think we instantly had a rapport, but what I learned is that he's very good about he's very selfless like myself, mm. so he's built a production company up here, and he's back here creating work yeah. uh for people like myself and telling stories about that personal to him as well so mm. you've got you've got a African family on t v for the first time mm. ever really properly, you know where they're not you know background characters and yeah. uh and he you know with it's a great comedy drama and uh for me, you know, working alongside him, I'm just learning what it takes to sort of be a man like him, but also produce an executive producer show, you know?
0: Sure. And um just uh, talking about stuff that's happening in the future, could you tell us a bit more about Full Dress? Cause that's an up and coming movie that brings yeah. you full circle from your Arrow work alongside another actor from the DC TV series, universe in robin lord taylor who many may know from home yeah. as oswald cobblepot in uh, gotham also known as penguin so can you give us some insight into that comedy crime drama that is yeah called
2: uh full dress you know i've shot it i've not seen it yet um i think it's 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 going to be a from when i spoke to the director it's going to be a bit different from what he intended but mm. working with robin taylor you yeah. know and chris was amazing uh mm. we all believed in the project uh, I played a Brit in that movie, but okay. I think that was about for me being in America and um, again just showing my versatility. So I did that, and at the same time, I did a film called Rise recently with Jimmy Jean-Louis that was in Heroes. Okay. And um, so for me, I'm about the work, guys. You know, I'm about the mm. stories and the characters. And so Rise is about the Boko Haram. So I play a oh, really? Nigerian soldier, and that he's really a really nasty guy. And um, so to play that, and then I'm playing a Sierra Leonean comedy yeah. guy, Aegis's brother, and in a long one, yeah. it's just I, I, I do plan, but you know, organically things happen yeah. like that where you go, "Whoa, Jimmy's just on TV playing this guy over yeah. Jericho from Coming to America esque," <laughs> yeah. and then the next minute, I'm you know, I'm doing something like Idris did in the uh, the Netflix movie, you know. Mm. Um, I mean,
0: organically these titles seem to kind of fall into place for you because you've also been in the title called hero inspired by the extraordinary life and times of Mr. Ulrich Cross
2: yeah heroes about to be released next week here and it's like uh Ulrich Cross is a again it's about the work the story he's a famous Trinidadian soldier that you know uh went and worked with Kwame Nkrumah and a lot of the top uh, black political leaders uh, around that time. And so for me, I was just so in- excited to be a part of that. For me, it is about the roles, but and the stories, you know, mm-hmm. and it had uh, Joseph Marcel in it from uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, wow. And so to work alongside him and uh, it was amazing. And um, yeah, I think you can catch it at the BFI next week.
0: Okay, cool. Right, so nice that one. should be coming out hopefully in april 2019 okay so um jimmy i really appreciate your time coming down to uh see us on our humble podcast Set. we'd love to get you back on the ep- another episode anytime mm-hmm. uh you're available so thank you for coming down
2: thank you very yes. much guys thank you thank you